interested in video games, however interested you may be, you have found the Donkey Kong Artist Podcast. I am your host, Patrick Shanley. I'm one of your hosts, actually. And joining me, as always, is my dear, dear friend, Edmund Arnold, and my other dear, dear friend, Colin Codega, making his first appearance on the podcast. Hello, Colin. How are you doing? Good. How about you, Pat? I'm doing great. Eddie, Eddie you can speak, too, if you want. I don't know. You, you completely defer to the white guy before me, and I'm very offended by that. On the first week, we have two white guys and then one black guy. You go to him for I'm tweeting. I'm tweeting right now. Hey, you know what? I'm here uh, I'm here to, you know, just make sure we're helping out with the economic anxiety out there. So, uh, Eddie, I'm coming for your spot. Thank you. Thank you. I feel, I feel great. <laughs> well, now that we've given an update on the state of America in 2017, uh, we should also talk a little bit about video games. And uh, this week we're doing something a little bit different since we have Colin on and we have what is a poor man's panel, essentially. And poor man is very much taken in the literal sense. I don't know what your guys' salaries are. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to tie into the conversation, though, how much money we make. Because I want to talk about a lot of stuff in video games and the business of video games, particularly given so many controversies that have been taking place over the last couple weeks with games like Star Wars Battlefront. Uh, Destiny's been in the news with a lot of controversy around them. There's apparently stuff going on with the new UFC game that's controversy, and most of it is coming back to microtransactions, loot boxes, and the cost of gaming nowadays at the end of 2017 as we see it. Uh, I guess I'll just start off with your guys' thoughts on it. What, what, do you think the, what are your takeaways from these reports that are coming out and the outrage? I'll let the guests go. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I did not expect we would be dealing with something like this right now. If you would have asked me a couple years ago, when uh, I, I forget what the first game was, I think it was like uh, some sort of like five dollar horse armor that came out for like uh, Oblivion or Skyrim that started it all. But it's uh, yeah, gamers are angry, they're mad, and they're not happy with what's going on. And but at the same time, development of video games is getting extremely expensive. So um, yeah, I don't know. I think we're going to be talking about this for a long time. And I think, like, where it all started, um, and it's, it's where, like, the biggest perpetrator of it right now is EA, right? With the Madden packs and the, I think we, we can go back to the FIFA packs, the Ultimate Teams, and a lot of people are putting in money to be the best on there, and they get players based on how much money you basically, or how much time you put into it. So that's what really just exploded, right? And then you started to see it leak into other games. And like Colin said, it's surprising because like two years ago, three years ago, you didn't see it as prominent in gaming now. But I think the big issue now is that you're seeing it across every single game, across mostly every single major company. You're not seeing it in indie titles. You're not seeing it in those smaller company titles. But man, you're seeing it in Ubisoft. You're seeing it in EA. You're seeing it. You're seeing it in. What else have you seen it in across this year? I mean, across the board. Across the board. So, and I, it's getting to the point where it's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. And I think that's why everyone, you're seeing so much anger from the gaming community now. And it seems like it's really just exploded in 2017. I mean, like, we touched on it. It's been going on for a couple years. But even the early half of 2017 did not have it the way that we have seen just in the last three, four months with humongous titles that people have been looking forward to for years in certain cases. And it is affecting the gameplay and, uh, let's call it, 
what other people have been calling a lot the fairness of these games. If you're doing things where it is uh, pay to win, which is the greatest sin that you can make as a video game, as we saw with the Star Wars controversy, it is understandable to me that there is some outrage on a lot of these issues. Uh, and there's also the, the problem of gambling with these loot boxes, which is coming up more and more. Right. And, you know, I, we touched on it a couple of weeks ago with... I don't have a big issue with it if, as long as it's behind cosmetic items. But, like you said, it's it's getting more and more to be the point where you're paying to basically be better than the other players, and that's where it's bad. And did you see that? I can't remember that news story this week that came out where the where their country basically condemned Battlefront 2 for its gambling. Yeah, I mean, um, it's actually China. Uh, they force uh, Dota, League of Legends, like all games, they have to show a percentage. So if you're going to buy a loot box, it's going to say, oh, you have a 17% likelihood of getting a rare drop. Or, oh, you have a 5% chance. So at least people, if they're going to pour their money into it, they know the odds. It's just like when I go and play Blackjack, uh, when I go back home to Reno, I know the house is stacked to win, but at least I know my odds when I go to the table and I throw my money down. Right. How, how often are you playing Blackjack, Colin? Uh, you know what? I don't play that much anymore, but uh, you know, after college, it was, it was a little easy to go to the tables uh, after graduating. And now you don't need to because you can just play video games. I can just turn on my Xbox and throw a bunch of money at that. Yeah, it's so much easier now. What a time to be alive. Uh, here's my problem with what we were just saying and why it's considered gambling. If I want to spend my money in a video game to buy something, why am I getting at it? Why is it a percentage drop? Why am I not just buying whatever cosmetic I want to buy with my money? Why do I have to spin a wheel to decide what am I getting out of it? If you want my money, take it. Don't charge me on the off chance that I might get something that I want. That's manipulative, and that's trying to wring money out of people on something I already own. I own your game. I bought it. They found the key to it, right? Like, they found the key. Because if you put up a 20-piece armor, or a $20 armor piece, I'm going to put that 20, I'm going to put up that $20 to get that armor piece. But if you're hiding it behind a loot box, I'm going to put it up like $20 to $100 in order to, in order to find it, because it's a random roll every time. And um, I spoke earlier, like, Belgian, Belgium, is actually the country that took a step towards banning like these battlefronts and these type of loot boxes. Way to go, Belgium. Just, yeah, way to go, Belgium. We applaud you. And Belgium Minister of Justice, Colin Green's ad, mixing gambling and gaming, especially at a young age, is dangerous for the mental health of the child. And I absolutely agree with this. I absolutely agree with this. Because a lot of times you're putting these kids in front of these games. Their parents sometimes will have the credit card already loaded to the game. The, the parents don't have access to it, right? So these kids are just going after these loot boxes, going after these loot boxes. And like we talked about last week with Jack Black, he comes up to home to a, what, $2,000, $3,000 credit card bill. And this is this is why it's so dangerous. And this is why we need to take steps in order to halt this this whole entire process. I mean, imagine you're not Jack Black. You know, I haven't, I wasn't in Shallow Hal. I don't have Shallow Hal money. Like, if my kid spent $3,000, well, I guess we might not pay rent that month. Yeah, and if, you know, if you uh, call up, like Sony or, you know, you call up uh, Microsoft and be like, hey, my kid uh, did this. You can dispute the transaction maybe with your bank or something like that. But, uh, yeah, there's a high likelihood you're not getting that money back as, you know, maybe some single parent out there. Like, uh, I know Apple had to put a lot of uh, measures into the iPhone because kids were running up money on, uh, I don't even know, what, Clash of uh, Clans or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's insane. It's way too easy and it's way too quick. And it's, it's, it's large amounts of money, which uh, we talked about this a little bit last week, too, but these are not, it's not always a 99-cent purchase. You, you can buy things that are $99 with a click of one button. 
Right, absolutely. And, you know, I, like Colin said, it's way too easy and it's way too quick. I'm going to tell a personal story here. People don't judge me, all right? I have stayed away from NBA 2K um, series for the longest time, and I told people it's because I don't like watching basketball. The real reason is I will put hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars behind this virtual currency. And it got to a point in college where I had 2K games where I was putting most of my money that should have been going to food into virtual currency in order to make my player better so it would be a more enjoyable experience. So stupid. But I like the hat. I like if you play games like me, you like that feeling of seeing your player go from a 75 to an 80 and to see your player completely dominate on the court. I had a huge problem where I had to step away from the 2K series. Recently, I got back into the 2K series, and guess what I did? I'm putting money in the virtual currency to make my player better, and it's a problem. And I mean, to play the devil's advocate, just to throw this out there, is someone now that I've gotten older, you know, I'm working from, you know, 8 in the morning until 5 at night. I commute an hour each way to work. When I get home, um, there's sometimes it's... I feel like you can find a balance because MLB The Show, I love that game. Mm -hmm. If there's a sale on stubs and I'm sitting here and I'm like, you know what, I can throw five bucks into this. I can level up my my player or, you know, my Road to the Show character a little bit quicker and I can actually see parts of the game I want to see, um, you know, where I get to the major leagues where I can't grind out a character like I used to back in the day, back when I was in college or I had summer. So, I, I don't know, I feel like there's, there's a middle ground almost where there needs to, like, Gamers are obviously putting their feet, uh, foot down on the issue, mm -hmm. but there—I don't know—there there has to be some sort of middle ground we can find. Well, I think what you just said is really important because it goes back to what we were saying about the gambling issue. If you want to spend five of your dollars, which you have to spend yes. on this, and decided to use it, well, then you should know what your five dollars are buying you. That's my issue, and what I think a lot of people's issues are with this. I want to spend five dollars and spin a wheel, hoping to get Giancarlo Stanton, and I'm stuck <laughs> with. I can't think of a crappy baseball player who isn't on the Yankees, and I don't want to bash the Yankees. But, you know, some crappy player. Probably a Dodger. Yeah, definitely a Dodger. <laughs> definitely a Dodger. No, and you make a good point, Pat. It, it's, a, it's a fact that it's hidden. Like, you're right. You're absolutely right. We need to take a step back, and we need to, like, if you're going to put $20 into a chess piece, you're going to buy that chess piece. I don't know why I keep bringing up a chess piece. But I'm thinking of, like, Star Wars Battlefront. Like, if you want to buy a specific star card, you should be able to put money into a star card without having to put in all this money to unlock all these star cards, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think it absolutely makes sense. And the biggest issue I have outside of, you know, the seediness of hiding gambling is that these things are entertainment. That's their number one purpose. It's why they exist. What is fun about this? Is it fun to do this gambling for hats in a video game? I, I don't know. I almost think that it's uh, it's a larger issue with, game companies needing to keep users active, they want to keep money in, they want to maximize shareholder, uh, you know, stakeholder profits, and uh, to keep their servers online, they have to keep bringing money in. I don't know, it's, it's, it's tough because I'm so annoyed with how much I spend on video games, but there's a party that almost wonders, would we be better off if we just made a video game $65 and then just had no paid DLC and just charged a little bit extra and just upfront? Yeah, just, just charge 80 or 80 or 70 yeah, bucks, like, you know, 90, yeah. bump, bump it up and just, like, say, you know what, like, through, but then at the same time, you have 20 $25 games coming out these days, like, PUBG's coming out for Xbox, which I'm really excited about to play that in the next couple weeks, but, yeah, it's, uh, I, I don't know, it's, it's all about, it all comes down to money, keeping people active, and, uh, yeah, and then it's, it's really tough. Wasn't well, that the issue, uh, then, like, so... 
I, I play a lot of classic games. When you bought a classic game, the game was the game. That was it. That was the game. You bought it. It, it was done. There wasn't going to be more content that was coming out for something that you already owned that you would have to buy. I personally, look, I, this might not be a popular opinion, and clearly I'm wrong because the tide is turning in the opposite direction. I would rather buy a game and have that game be done. I don't need to keep adding things on to the game that I already own. If that was the case, I would rather just buy a new game, and I would rather the studio that made that game spend their time crafting a sequel or another game in that series further on or working on a new project as opposed to just tacking little things on for $15 here, $20 there, onto a game I already owned. Yeah, but those are single-player experiences. That's and what I want. The way, of, that's what you want. Exactly. But according to EA and according to these big companies, nobody wants single-player experiences anymore, which is kind of strange to me because I still like single-player experiences. I hear you still like single uh, Zelda okay. Breath of the Wild was a single player experience and it's the most successful Horizon game of the year. Horizon was a single player experience and you was sacrificed with a single player experience. You could, I mean, we can go on all day. Right. But but like you're right. Back in the day, we used to get a single single player game would be released and it would be done. But that's everything's multiplayer now. Everything every, everything had the multiplayer component to it. Every like I'm, I spent half of my morning talking about The Witcher 3 with my roommate and how great it was. And we were just talking about Cyberpunk 2077 and when it's coming out. I look online, it has an online, a multiplayer component to it. So it's like you can't get games away from any games of service. And like Colin said, you, you, what type of games are going to keep people playing longer? It's multiplayer games with open servers that are going to keep you coming back for these more, more items, to collect more items, to get more guns, to get more accessories, things like that. Single player experiences, you can't make that much money off of anymore. So is that the issue then? Are we just looking at this like purely economical? It's just like any other type of art, I guess, right? It starts off as something that a whole bunch of artists are attracted to and that it was making art for the sake of making art. And now because there's shareholders involved and there's so much money that can be squeezed out of a game that the games themselves are starting to suffer from it and the entire industry kind of sucks a little bit more now than it used to as far as the products that you're paying for. Capitalism 101. I mean, I mean it's just that's the way of the grind and that's the way the gaming company is. And back in the day when games were like, people were laughing at it and it was just like niche company, it wasn't making a big money. And then, it, you know, it was only in arcades and it's dark, seedy parts of the um, cities. Now it's, you see commercials during the Super Bowl. Now people like, what was it? What were we talking about um, a couple weeks ago? Like Call of Duty was outpacing like movie or vi what were we, we talked about at the very beginning of the uh, year, our podcast, like well, video game sales were outpacing movies now. Exponentially, so I mean like. By, by quite a bit, they are. It, it's right, it's a big money industry. So these stakeholders, like Colin said, these stakeholders are, took a hold of it, and it's all money now. It's all money, and that's the way of the world. That's the way it's going. Well, imagine being like an investor these days. It's like times are shifting with just technology in general. Um, if I have a bunch of money, back then they'd be like, oh, I could get involved with movies or this form of art entertainment or uh, media. Now with like how interconnected and you can send a message to a person in the blink of an eye. Like my phone on Thanksgiving literally was blown up with, with emails of Thanksgiving marketing. It's direct to consumers and video games. You literally, I can wake up, turn on my Xbox. And if I turn on the next video game, uh, Madden can put up an old spice commercial on the loading screen while I'm about to play my online game. Like it's, it's insane how quickly they can just throw it at and it's very profitable and they're just going to continue to figure out ways to monetize that if people keep paying and giving them the money. They're not going to stop. Why would you stop if you're, uh, you know, people keep doing it? Yep, and I agree with you and I actually don't even blame the companies. I blame the consumers, which, okay, let's pin this down because I think we can all agree on this. Are, are games not 
our big games, our major studio games, not as good as they used to be even something like five, six years ago. On launch, when you buy a launch title, are you happy with the games as much as you were five, ten years ago when you bought them? They're, re they're releasing broken games. None of the <laughs> games are finished. That's why we have 30 gigabyte day one patches now. Right. It's insanity. Back in the day, you get a game, you wouldn't have a patch. You just have to, mind you, it would be a lot of bugs, and sometimes again, you get to some parts of the game where it'd just be broken, and you have to start it all over. It was Certainly not Assassin's Creed. Creed. Yeah, but every, yeah, it's <laughs> a great point. All the Assassin's Creed's, not Origins, but like, look at that Paris Assassin's Creed that no one played. It was a debacle, and they didn't fix that game until a year later. I mean, it's just like video, the video game industry is a lot different, though, because now, back then, it was that format that Pat is like, you know, Patrick's really missing, where you would make one game, a single uh, player experience, craft it, send it out, it's gold, and then you start creating this, the follow-up. Nowadays, it's game engines where it's like Call of Duty, they're pumping out a new version every single year, and they're using the same blueprint for three, four, five years. It's still almost the same amount of years. But they're having to churn out more and more versions of it. It's just, you know, it's like the joke with Destiny 1.5. That's what people call Destiny 2. It's, uh, you know, the same framework. Yeah. Let me ask a question. Um, sorry to take your role, Pat. But did, How dare did this you? Have to, did this have to do with the explosion of cell phone games? Is that where we saw this, like, shift into more, like, uh, basically just try to pump money out of one single game experience as much as possible? Because I feel like Clash of Clans... Mm -hmm. um, what was, what was Farmville. that? Farmville. Farmville, yeah. Clash of Clans, Farmville. Farmville. Even Minecraft to a certain extent on sure. the PC. Candy Crush. Um, Candy Crush, yeah. Is that where we saw the explosion of like just money, 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 money in the one game? So Cosmetics, this, that. I, I, I don't know where it started. That's where my question is. I'm going to answer your question with a simple affirmative yes, I do think that. And I've said that at certain times. And I'm also going to follow it up with a really bougie annoying I live in Hollywood story. A few weeks ago, this months ago now, I guess, um, and I'm, I'm not, this isn't a disparaging story about him, it's just going to paint him in a bad light because of the previous conversation. Uh, but I went to Jam City. Jam City makes, um, they make the the Family Guy mobile game, uh, they made a Futurama mobile game, uh, and they're mobile games. You know, they're fine, they're whatever they are, a lot of people like them, they're fun. And they do microtransactions as most uh, of these games do. I met the CEO of Jam City. His name is Chris DeWolf. Uh, he was a nice enough guy. He is one of the founders of uh, MySpace. He's a co-founder with Tom, the guy who sat in front of that stupid whiteboard and had a dumb look on his face. Uh, <laughs> sorry, yeah, Tom. friend of MySpace. Don't talk about him, dude. How dare you? Uh, anyway, so I was talking to, to Mr. DeWolf, and he was talking about what, what attracted him to games, you know, let alone he's probably in his 50s, late 40s. I don't want to age the guy. Uh, but, you know, he grew up kind of with video games, but not in the same way like our generation did. And he looked at it as a business decision to get into games and talking about, we talked about a little bit about microtransactions. And this isn't new, but it is funny to hear it from somebody directly from the source, um, that 2%, 1%, whatever it is, of the people who play the games are the people who pump most of the money into these mobile games with microtransactions. Most people don't really spend that much money. If they do, it's like $1 to $5 every so many months. Uh, a big portion of people never spend any money at all in the games, but this one little percentage spends so much that they're able to make this massive business. And this place prints money, GMC. They make crazy money on little mobile games. And I think a lot of big studios like EA looked at that, and they're like, these people make these tiny games, aren't employing a third of the people that we employ, and are making more money than us. How do we get into that business? I, I mean, I think that's spot on. Like, it's just, it's the whales out there. Those people
people that are, it's like that South Park episode. Exactly. They, they literally have a full-on episode about this. And the thing is, too, like, any functioning, well-running business is going to know exactly all the data, all the statistics on these people, so they know exactly what they're doing when they're pumping this out. They know exactly what users are buying, what percentages, and you know what, though? That is the most profitable way, format, they can find it right now. Because they're able to, and people are able to. Like, it's it's pretty it's pretty sad. We're letting a small percentage of the most privileged in gaming control the entire landscape of our community, of our basically things we've grown up to. Right. And when has that ever worked? When has ever a small percentage of really rich elite controlling something ever worked out in favor for anything? I, I just got to put that question out there. Well, then I will answer that question with this question, which I think is the answer of it. If that is the case, and we seem to all be agreement on this, why are people buying games at launch if they know all of these things going into it? Why are you paying $60, $70 for a game if you know that you're going to be charged more for the finished game afterwards? Why not just wait a month? Why not wait two months or buy it in a bargain bin at a GameStop? Because we all live in the moment. We are all a right-now society. Everything is, what's the hottest game? What are people tweeting about? You want to be able to have your hot take on this game, and everyone will play it for a week or two, and then people move on to the next game. Then, lo, God said to Abraham, you brought this evil upon yourself. Well, I have to say, but I do have to say, in contrast to that, times are changing because look at the way people reacted to Battlefront 2. Uh, EA lost three billion in stock because of the way that the fans and consumers reacted to Battlefront Two. Mind you, as an EA company, and gamers really hate EA, so it'd be interesting to see. And I didn't see them react to the same way that um, they did to EA as they did Call of Duty. And I think Call of Duty hides some of this stuff behind loot boxes. And then Colin can correct me because I haven't played Call of Duty, but I'm pretty sure they did not to the same extent. But I'm pretty sure they did the same thing. Well, Call of Duty um, put it on Mountain Dew cans, which is pretty smart because I mean, who doesn't want a Mountain Dew? Right, you gotta do the do when you're gonna play some Call of Duty. <laughs> code Red too, right away. Don't forget that. It was only Code Send Red. Send us back. money, Mountain Dew. But yeah, anyway, like, shit, I forgot what I was gonna say. Thanks a lot, Pat. I forgot what I was Sorry, saying. Sorry, Oh, but yeah, so, like, they lost $3 billion because people put their feet foot down, took to Reddit, took to Twitter, which is annoying, but whatever. This is the way we protest these days. And they said, we're not buying this game. So, and you saw it across the landscape. Shareholders heard it, EA heard it. They're trying to um, they're trying to rectify all the mistakes they made. They're not really doing well. You saw the same thing with Destiny. It, it blew up Destiny um, publishers on Reddit, and now Destiny's coming back, and they're changing some of their aspects that they came out with the game that was launched with the game. So I, I think people are starting to speak up more, and I do think the landscape is changing a little bit. We'll see. We'll, we'll continue to have to see. 2018 is going to be a wild year. It's going to be a wild year. Yeah, I mean, EA, that that was, I mean, with Battlefront 2, it was pretty gross what was thrown out there, but they lost uh, $3 billion in stock value because of it. Their stock was hit $3 billion. It's nuts. It's insane, but that's the way you will get publishers and developers to change their habits is hit them in the wallet. And, um, yeah, and I, I don't know, I would, I'm curious of what you both, I'm not sure if you've talked about this yet, but um, how... The developers, people, I think, I'm not sure if it was Disney, but um, were actually worried about uh, cosmetics being available in Battlefront <laughs> 2. 
and they were worried they didn't want to see a they were like well, how would people react if a pink dark vader was running around the battlefield yeah i believe i can't remember e i can't remember his name but ea's executive was basically like battlefront's lore is so delicate that we can't add something to the extent of a pink dark vader suit where they have kylo ren and darth vader running around on tatooine on a multiplayer map so it's like ah i i, you know, I didn't get that i didn't get that at all let me just say that that, again, is a result of the people. Like, a lot of this is coming from... <laughs> it's coming from public reaction. And the reason why they'd be hesitant to put that is because public reaction would probably cause that to be. People well, are... Remember Battlefront 1, where they gave you all those options to have run around with your Stormtrooper's helmet off, and people were like, No! Absolutely not! Yep. So, you know, it's you're absolutely right. It's public reaction. People react to certain things. They... Companies respond to it, and people are like, "Still, wait a minute!" Right. So, you're well, absolutely right. You're well, now absolutely we're seeing right. we're seeing the other side of a coin that we just brought up, and um, I'm saying all these things. I don't have the answers to any of these things. I'm just pointing no, out. We don't. Yeah, we're not experts in the gaming community or anything like that. I'm not an expert so, in any community. Trust me. Uh, <laughs> but what we're seeing is is that it's great that you, a public outcry can change things, and we're seeing that it can change things significantly. It can have a $3 billion effect on a massive company. At the same time, public reaction can also do things where people lose their mind if a stormtrooper doesn't have his helmet off. Or, it can do a lot of worse things, too, like doxing people and, you know, what was that thing about Reddit where they found the wrong guy who was the Boston bomber or something like that? Like, public outcry can also do lots of awful things. Yeah, well, I don't have an answer, I'm just saying that it does both. There's video game developer out there right now, like, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right, so... It's too co you know. It's a double-edged sword. Um, I, I think what it comes down to is uh, the theme of this is the outcry that really creates change in a positive way for gamers. It seems like is the economic outcry. Yeah, you just don't give people your money. Yeah, it's that it's that old adage: vote with your wallet. Well, if it's actually working, then keep doing it. I'm not saying this is rallying cry because obviously people are already doing this. So like, I'm not somebody who's telling you. To, I'm telling you to continue doing it, but obviously you don't need me to tell you to do it. What are, what are we gonna What are we gonna see? What, what's What's EA do after this? After you take that much of a write out or write down, what's their next game? Is it gonna be completely different, or are they gonna try and do the same crap again? No, because UFC three was just announced with a whole bunch of loot box um, attachments to it, and people are already complaining about it. So is EA gonna learn from it? So it's up to the consumers. Like, if you didn't go out and buy Wolfenstein, you should shoot yourself, in my opinion. Because Wolfenstein was a, it's a single-player game release. <laughs> um, no DLC attached to it. Well, there's going to be DLC. But, you know, story DLC is going to be attached to it. No cosmetics, nothing like that. And it's a great game. Go pick up Wolfenstein rather than picking up Battlefront 2. Go buy Horizon rather than picking up Call of Duty. You can support these titles that aren't doing it, but you're not. Well, people did buy Horizon, so I'm a little wrong there. But people aren't, for the most part, supporting these titles. And that's where the issue is. Dude, scroll through, if you're listening to us on SoundCloud, scroll down and just look at the people that we've had on our show. From Tacoma, people from Pyre, people from uh, Little Nightmares. These small indie games, which are really great games. If people start buying more of these things where they're not trying to pump in microtransactions, maybe it'll send a bigger message to higher-ups, too. Yeah, it's not it's not a one time thing. It's not you don't buy one game and then the issue is solved. You don't buy any of their games that they keep trying to do the same crap, and you buy better games made by independent studios or Absolutely. or a big studio that's not doing this crap. It doesn't have to be an independent studio. I would like it if the big studios also weren't doing this stuff. Yeah, and you, and no, you have um, you do have certain like Bethesda's not Bethesda, but is it Bethesda? Uh, 
Bethesda, I don't know why I can't ever say that company right. <laughs> they ne- they don't do it to this extent, right? And they still release quality games without hiding it behind a bunch of loot boxes and DLC or anything. So you still have your major companies that are still doing it. Nintendo. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great co- that's a great point. Nintendo. I, Xenoblade Chronicles Two was just released this week. I'm having a great time. There's nothing tied behind that. No loot boxes. No DLC tied behind that game. I mean, both both of those companies do usually like lately they have been going the DLC route. So I, it almost seems like like you're you're leaning towards the DLC route. You think that's right now that's the best solution? If it's story fight. DLC, yeah. Right. If it's I, story, okay. Like I'm thinking in the terms of like, and I, I I know if you listen to our podcast, I bring them up a lot. In terms of Grand Theft Auto Four. I think that's a perfect release cycle. You release the full game. That game was complete. Nico's story was complete. And then you release three side stories, story DLCs, that are telling different stories that are related to that world. To me, that as a cycle, that game was perfect from start to finish. And then you, you add that online component, which absolutely ruined Grand Theft Auto V for me. But to me, I'm going to go buy Grand Theft Auto IV. If you stay upon that, don't you know? If you want to release cosmetics behind pay, I'm I, I'm all for that. The way Overwatch does it. If you want to pay for like a Hanzi to have a cool like bell bottom suit, I don't know where I came up with that. Then go ahead and buy pay for that. As long as it's cosmetics. But if you're hiding it behind star star cards or like things to add to your character to make them better, that's terrible. Absolutely terrible. And it needs to be gone, in my opinion. I agree. I don't. I don't know how anyone could not think that. I can understand why a studio would think that when they were making the game to make more money out of it. But I think that's exactly what it should be. I don't think that there should be. This might be a little soapboxy, but this is what I think. I don't think any game that has microtransactions, especially ones that are hiding behind a gambling system, should even be allowed to charge for DLC. You're already printing that money. Where is that money going to? What to just coffer your salary that year? Well, why am I giving you more money if you've already been pumping money out of people using a gambling mechanic? Yeah, I mean, one game to call out personally that uh, over the last like year or two, I haven't played it recently, but uh, uh, Respawn, who made Titanfall 2, um, I think they did a really, really nice job. They did um, all maps, all game modes that were released were free. And all the cosmetics, you can buy stuff. But then there also is some sort of loot box system, but it's strictly cosmetic, yeah. and you can pay for individual items and kind of handpick stuff. So I thought they they did a really nice job on balancing that. Guess who just bought that comp- Guess who just bought that publisher? Yay! 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 Well, wait, no, no, that's not good. We hear a lot of the companies comment. We hear a lot of like the like big names of EA. We hear, we never hear like the publishers or like. The people behind the games talk about this at all. I would like to hear like more of their opinions. And I don't know if they have to sign like disclosure agreements where they can't talk to press about things like this, but it'd be interesting to hear their take on it because they're the actual people working on it. Yeah, maybe let's just say anecdotally on our own podcast, you know, it's when we reach out to an independent game, and this makes sense obviously because the person who's running an independent studio is probably also the game director. But it is really easy to talk to a game director of a small game or somebody who actually made the game themselves. When we have these bigger games, it's generally not the game director that we're speaking to. Uh, yeah. We have a couple times with Far Cry and with Call of Duty, but most of the time I'm talking to either a producer or a studio head or somebody who does marketing for a game. It is very rare that we are getting somebody who is the actual game director of a huge market game. Otherwise, we'll get the star, which also has value, but it's a much different thing than talking to the director of these big games. Absolutely, and I agree with you. We need to start focusing more on our indies. We got kind of away from that. Well, it's hard, you know, and I also want to talk about big AAA titles, especially ones I'm excited about. I'm just saying it... The artistry seems to be a little bit less, same in Hollywood, I guess, 
Would you rather talk to a Michael Bay or would you rather talk to a uh, Wes Anderson? Wes Anderson? <laughs> Eddie, do you know who Wes Anderson is? Yes, he did that movie with uh, Danny Glover. Oh, yeah, didn't he do the movie the with, like, kind of bombs. He, did, he did the movie with, like, uh, the Cub Scouts or something like Moonrise that. Moonrise Kingdom was, like, one of my favorite movies of, like, 2016. I'm sorry, the Royal Tenenbaums, and the person you took out of it was Danny Glover, who's in, like, two scenes. <laughs> yeah, because he's black, so I resonate with black people, all right? I'm sorry, this is the way I am. Hey, I and love Danny Glover, man. Movie. Lethal Weapons are, like, my favorite movies. Hey, I love Moonrise Kingdom, okay? It's a good I movie. I love that movie. Shout out Predator 2. <laughs> I'm so off topic. I'm so lost. <laughs> we do this a lot, Colin. Sorry. Sounds about right. This is where the editing comes in, yeah. All right, that was a very heavy conversation. Colin was crying for a lot of it. I'm sorry, Colin. I'm emotionally scarred. Thanks, guys. <laughs> it's just like high school. Uh, it's all over again. I'm having flashbacks. Let, let's make it a little bit lighter and make Colin feel a little bit better. Because it's Christmas time, you guys, and Christmas time is the most wonderful time of the year. Mm-hmm. Yay. Especially if you're a gamer, because this is when I, I this is when I get most of my games. I feel like yeah. I kind of cash out at the end of the year because I'm a man child. What are you guys? What are you guys looking forward to? What do you want underneath your Christmas tree, or what are you gonna give underneath somebody else's Christmas tree? Um. So me, myself, I'm buying my nephew a hard drive. He needs that, ex, you know, extra external space so he can play some more games. This is a good time of the year because I like to clear out my backlog. Nintendo Switch has had a wonderful year, so I'm going to try to clear out, like, get these Nintendo Switch games beat, specifically Zelda. I did beat Super Mario, so I'm still collecting those Power Moons. I just picked up Xenoblade Chronicles, which sounds like it's going to be, like, a life, another life for me. So, there's a lot of games, and I still got to beat Prey. I got to beat Yakuza. I got to beat Persona. I got to beat my Japanese games of the year. I mean, this was a good, good, good year of games. Good, 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 good year of games. There's some PC games that were released that I want to play still. I want to check out Battleship Brigade that came out this week, which I've been hearing great things. It's like a puzzle 2D platformer brawler, which is insane to me. And I like those 3x3 three three puzzle games, so I'm going to pick that up. So I don't know where to stop, man. There's just games everywhere. PlayStation, Nintendo Switch, and Xbox. There's games everywhere. So I don't know. It's just a lot of like taking time off, closing my door, staying away from my family, <laughs> you know, beating Horizon, just, you know, just... You gotta beat it. You gotta beat it, man. Yeah, it's, 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 good. it's so good. When you I said closing yourself off in a room and then said the word beating, I was like, I don't know if we can say this. Beating <laughs> <laughs> Horizon, alright? You know, beating Horizon, Dawn, Zero Dawn, I, I want to beat that game. But I, I got through, like, the beginning and then it slowed down for me. These open world games are hard for me to, like, put hours into because there's so much to do in them and yeah. I get distracted. I feel that way too. I almost feel overwhelmed by them. Yeah. The older I get, it's it's funny. I actually, as I was uh, just a couple, like a week or two ago, I started up uh, Wolfenstein. Mm -hmm. Great game, by the way. But I just decided to throw it on casual mode. Well, one, the normal mode from what I hear is just way too hard. So hard. Like, I hear it's just like the, the ramp up in that game is ridiculous. But, I want to see a game start to finish. I don't have the time. I used to. Now, luckily, we have the holidays coming up, but like for that game, I threw it on casual, and I'm so glad I'm doing that, because I'm actually seeing the story. Yeah. And the story's worth seeing. Especially that middle section of Wolfenstein is like one of the best. Probably my favorite gaming moments of the year is like that middle portion of Wolf. I can't even give away. We probably should have like in a couple weeks like our favorite gaming games of the year or something like that. Yeah, I think we'll do like a wrap-up. Yeah, like a spoiler-heavy 
podcast, but yeah, that Wolfenstein game from start to finish, and I did the same thing. I bumped it down to casual just so I could beat it. It was something else. And you guys are a PlayStation household, correct? PlayStation and Colin recently just joined the Xbox family. I, I did. I joined the Xbox family. I yeah, came up on a deal and uh, got the One S. So I'm not. I don't. I don't 4K game. I don't have a 4K TV. Not really interesting me right now. But uh, yeah, no. It's so I'm all covered. I got a Switch also. What have you been playing on the Xbox? Um, Xbox. I've been playing actually Gears of War four. Just I've been picking up cheap games basically for it because uh, I have a pretty solid catalog on my PS4. But Gears of War four. I've been playing the multiplayer on that. It's pretty fun. And actually, I got a, uh, a a game that's in game preview mode. It's Subnautica. Oh, I love that game. It is so much fun. Just exploring around. I'm not I'm not doing the survival mode where you have to like drink and. But basically, if people haven't played it, it is a underwater, you crash on an alien underwater planet, and you have to basically just survive and get gain resources and build an underwater sea lab. It's awesome. That sounds dope. If we're talking about survival games right now, I also want to uh, shout out Along Dark. I think it's on Xbox right now. It is a game where essentially you crash land in like the wilderness, like a snowy wilderness, and it is like one of those early access survival games. But for me, I got into it last weekend. I think I put like 10 hours over the weekend. You are just out there. You need to find like supplies. You need to know how to make fire. You know, like find shelter. You got to drink. You got to like boil your water. It's, get a, it. it's a Liam Neeson simulator. What it's like to be Liam Neeson. Yeah, and those wolves will mess you up. Just like they messed up William Neeson. So, yeah, it's fantastic. These survival games are getting nuts, where I feel like I'm almost putting so much thought into it, I might as well just go walk into the woods and go survive. And I love them. I love them. Like, specific, and I think I started with the Skyrim mod, where you have to drink, eat, and rest. And after I played that, I just, like, I'm a sucker for these survival games. I love them. I love them. Almost as fun as actually surviving in the wilderness. Almost. Almost. Have you ever tried to survive in the wilderness? Around the Bay Area, baby. Nothing but wilderness out here. Concrete jungle. I just imagine you, like, hiking from one wine and cheese shop to another one. You're like, are we going to make... You know how hard that is, dude? You know how many, like, smiles and waves you have to, like, avoid? How many drum circles and, like, protest marches you get stuck in on your way? Hey, you know what, Patrick? You do not understand what it's like to deal with walking around San Francisco where you have to worry about bumping into people that are busy curling their mustache with their mustache. <laughs> so, you know what? It's, it's tough out in these streets. Yeah, you can't say anything coming from the cesspool that you live in right now. Hey. All right. Our managers don't lock us in the offices. Thank you very much. Uh, if you can find one office. disparaging story about Hollywood, I would like to see it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm coming up with... I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, I don't know anything going on in Hollywood right now. Yeah, well, it's a great place. I'm just trying to get off this Hollywood shit as fast as possible. Yeah, so point. what are you playing? Uh, right now, I am playing... I haven't really played much other than working my way through Final Fantasy IX for like the 18th time. I tried to play Destiny 2 because so many people were upset about it, I wanted to see what the problem was. Because I loved Destiny 2 when I played it. And it's sort of just the same thing, except the uh, servers crash all the time, which is annoying for me. I'm still playing Rhyme. Did anybody else play Rhyme, which sounds like a game in which you play an orange peel that's trying to escape from a garbage can? But it's Explain actually... it to us. Sorry, what? Explain it to us. Rhyme is a delightful game. Uh, it is sort of in the vein of like Shadow of the Colossus or Ico. And you are a small Greek boy. He looks Greek. He has like a tunic on. And you wash up on the shore of a deserted island and you are following the lead of a ghost fox and trying to track down a mysterious figure in a shrouded red cloak and it's sort of like just doing puzzles there's no enemies it's a really relaxing game it's just 
windswept island vibes. It's good. It's good for me. After a stressful day of writing about what sexual harassment. Like? The puzzles are super easy, which is the problem. I mean, it's not, a, it's not a challenging game at all. It's more just like a therapeutic, relaxing game. The puzzles are like, drop this ball into this little ball receptacle. A ball hole, if you will. And then it okay. lights up another part of the island, and then they kind of clink together, and then it opens up a new area of the island that you can go and explore and uh, tackle pigs. Whoa, so I have not heard of this. This is like a new release, too? No, it came out uh, this summer. You haven't heard of Rhyme? No, not much. I'm so happy that I know of a game that you don't know about. It actually just came out for the Switch. I think I might pick it up for the Switch. You should indeed. You can beat it. It's like a perfect Switch game. And the art style, I mean, just like the the heavy, like, white and blue and gray colors, it looks really cool. It's it's a beautiful, really fun little game. You can beat it, honestly, in like three hours. What's the fox? Is it like your buddy? Sort of. He's like your guide. He's like your spiritual spirit guide. Okay. Okay. All right. You still haven't picked up a PS4 yet? I haven't, no. I'm hoping for Christmas. Okay. Time. All right. Very, very upset with you. Make sure you pick that up for Christmas. Frankly, I want a Switch more than a PS4. I would buy a Switch because you, there are a lot more games on there that I think you would like more. I just yeah. want Zelda. Oh, Zelda. Between, dude, you would probably like uh, Xenoblade, too. I, I think you would like Xenoblade, too. It's one of those, like... It feels like it's an RPG pulled straight from the PlayStation 2. Oh, I love that. Japanese like, games are my games. It, it's the systems in it. Like the, the, it's it takes forever to get anything done because it's packed up behind menus and menus and menus. But essentially, it's like, is, did you play Final Fantasy ten? Was that the first? Yeah, no, Final Fantasy ten. What was the Final Fantasy fifteen? I'm sorry. The most I haven't recent played one. fifteen. No. Okay, so it's similar. It's like you don't actually have to hit, hit X over and over again. It's like all you do is draw your weapon, and then you do like a variety of three, um, three moves, three combination. But then you have these special moves that you have to link into the, your combinations. And the combat system is very engaging. You're controlling three party members, and they have like these, essentially like they're called blades, and they're like Pokemon, familiar. It's except yours is like super hot, which is kind of weird. But um, <laughs> what? <laughs> so, it's it's. Dude, it's so hard to explain, because when everyone was telling me, they're like, oh, you're, it's like Pokemon. So, like, the one of the characters, hers is like a tiger, right? That she can ride and has, like, a very British-like voice, and it's very proper. But then yours is, like, this scantily clad, and you th- I think she's of age. It's just weird, man, but it's a great, it's fun. It's a lot of fun, but it, it just, no, you're going into that weird JRPG shit. Good, that's that what I want. you see in a lot of video games. But yeah, I would pick up a Switch or anything. Mario is so good also. That, that's one game I'm really excited when I have a few days off to put a little more time in. I just got through the, like, kind of first ending from what I hear, which was really good. Um, probably about, like, seven or eight hours into the game, but still have a ton of moons to collect. Whew. And it's so fun. Are you, do you guys share games, or do you all have your own copy of the same games? We all have our own copies of our same games. Me and Eddie have never shared games, ever. Except for once when his mom um, stole his NCAA basketball game and gave it to me right after he bought it. And Eddie probably didn't talk to me for a week. That is the greatest story I've ever heard. Yeah, she's the best. She was like, oh, why don't you play this? And just gave it to me. Yeah, she did give me my game. I forgot about it. Because I was, I was like bragging about having it over him. And she's like, you know what? This is what we do in our household. She gave it to him. What? That's the greatest story I've ever heard. Your mom is freaking amazing. My mom, my parents love Colin. They might have liked Colin more than me. Well, I like Colin more than you. So. Everyone likes Colin more than me. That's true. Yeah. Colin, join us next week when my guest will be Colin and not Ed. It's a mutiny. You should get PUBG. I, I've never played any of those games. It's only one game. Oh, I thought I thought this was like um, uh, like Team Fortress or something like that. 
Dude, it's like the hottest thing right now. It was actually like an Arma mod that was made by like one guy named Player Unknown. I don't know the backstory well, but oh. it's coming out for Xbox on early access. I'm gonna get it because out in like a week and a half. I'm gonna and get it too. It's so, literally the hottest thing ever. Right? What now. is it? The hottest thing. It's like basically 24 players get dropped into an island. A hundred. A hundred. Dropped into an island. Like guns are scattered everywhere. You're all in arm, and you're it's everyone against everyone. It's battle royale. Yeah. That sounds amazing. It, it sounds and, and the map the map closes down as the game goes on and, and as it closes it's like a blue smoke field and you lose health if you're in it so the map gets smaller so it forces people to like you know get in like tighter combat areas and it's a giant island Dude, it's like it's, 100, 100 games 100, it's yeah, 100 people it's 100 and you can run solo so it's everyone versus each other there can be up to like teams of 2 or teams of 4 and it's for Xbox so you can get it and we can all run we together we can all play alright deal getting it yeah and it's only 25 bucks yeah Goodness. And it's the hottest thing of this year. Okay. It, 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 it like surpassed the legends for streaming um, numbers. Like it is the hottest thing of this year. Thanks for having me on, guys. We might have it. Might have to do it again. All right. Well, thank you very much to Colin Codega, the wonderful, talented, glasses-wearing Colin Codega. Don, do you still wear glasses? I don't even know. I haven't seen your face in so long. Yeah, it's it's uh, like Stain says, it's been a while, but uh, yeah, I still got glasses. <laughs> I wasn't going to have you back, but the stained reference, it, it sealed it, and now you have to be a recurring guest. <laughs> well, appreciate uh, you guys having me on today. <laughs> uh, I want to thank my wonderful co-host, Edmund Arnold, as well. Way to go, Eddie. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Top-notch stuff. Top-notch stuff. Yeah, I also want to... Oh, sorry. I'm in San Francisco all, anytime. Anyone want to come to see me live, I'm out here. I also want to thank everybody for listening to us and for continuing to listen to us, and anyone who has shared us, thank you very much. We enjoy doing this, and we enjoy talking to you guys. Thank you, everybody. Love you. Love you guys. Goodbye. Fade away. Infinity War is going to be the greatest movie of all time. I've never been so excited for anyone. Exactly. Colin, do you want to fade out with us?